Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource mediation in our Knowledge Center. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with IronSource today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite, powered by a reliable deep linking engine, lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to appslyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. Today, I have Christian Ress, CEO and co-founder of Playtest Cloud, a service that I've been using, how, how, how long would it be? I would say eight years, probably eight years altogether. How long has, has Playtest Cloud been uh, in business? About eight years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, well, that's, uh, that's pretty much Because if I would have said 10 or 12, I would be talking about usertesting.com, which I used before. Playtest Cloud and the Playtest Cloud kind of came in as the de facto testing platform for games because usertesting.com was kind of like a generic testing platform. So when this first came out, and shout out to Antti Hattara, who's, uh, who's the um, <laughs> from, uh, from Starberry Games, who's, uh, who's an advocate. Back then he was working at Wuga and, uh, and very much an advocate for Playtest Cloud in the Finnish Mafia. So he distributed this uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. with, with, uh, with, within the Finnish mafia of mobile gaming. And um, I think pretty much every company here uses it. So um, really great to have you on this podcast because now I'm putting a face to a service uh, I've <laughs> used for such a long time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, hey, Mishka, it's good to be here. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned Antti, I think, like, a lot of this wouldn't have happened without him. Like, he was Don't, one of our... This is gonna, this yeah. is gonna just make him think too much about himself. <laughs> like, like, this would have happened definitely without Antti. <laughs> Let's say he, he certainly helped. It was good to have him by our side. <laughs> yeah, Antti was actually my first boss. Like, he was my entry oh. ticket to gaming, so he hired me, so... Uh, I'm always grateful to Antti, but uh, I just don't want his head to uh, to grow too big because of all the all his recent and future <laughs> success. 
<laughs> we'll so, be careful. Yeah. How's it going, Christian? Yeah, doing well. Uh, you know, we've had like, you know, Berlin weather and like now it's switched. Like we're at sunshine, sunshine, yeah. sunshine. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, wonderful, actually, because we've had so many gray months here. We have so. a blizzard. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Good that we're indoors, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, it's it's Finland. We we don't we don't proud ourselves with uh, with the weather. It's a defensive yeah. weather. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Let's you focus on making great games. Yeah, there's nothing to do outside. That's true. Just stay at home and, and play. Yeah, um, certainly. Yeah. So, do you want to just kick it in, or do you want to? <laughs> like, yeah. Sure. Um, where do you want to start? Um, why should people use Playtest Cloud? Like, you know, why should developers and publishers, um, what's the benefit of it? Like, I know I've, I've been, for me, it's just like, a, I don't know, it's like, it's like Google Sheets or, mm-hmm. or PowerPoint. It's just part of the tool, part of the, uh, the, the tool shit. I don't kind of even mention it because I feel like it's almost automated. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I, when I moved to US and I was working at a, at a corporation, aka <laughs> Zynga, and, um, I've noticed that at large companies, because you know Finnish companies are pretty small in terms of uh, size of pop size and size of population. It's also size of population <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of how many people are working on a particular game or in a particular company. They're quite small, so so we kind of did our everything ourselves, and that's why services like Playtest Cloud were de facto and like no brainers. But then going into a corporation, they're like, "What do you mean? Like we don't do our own user tests? Like that's why we have." the 20 people that are working in the user research department and we will bring in people that we can watch behind the glass and we can, mm-hmm. we can do the same thing behind the glass in Houston and in, in, in other uh, you know, middle America cities where we can understand better, better players. And I was like, why? Like that costs 75,000 where we can do <laughs> a test that costs like 60 bucks and do like five of them overnight without, without you know, big issues. Anyways, like yeah. what, this is me just telling my perspective, <laughs> but what's your perspective? Yeah, I love it. I think like the underlying thing about playtesting is that we're all in the business of making games that want to give players a certain experience. Like uh, either we want to have them enjoy something that's super fun, we want to make a game that's super challenging, but regardless of what direction the games go into, there's always a vision and like a design for the experience players should have. But how do you find out if your game's actually living up to that? And how do you do that before the game is live? Because then it's too late. Like if you wanted to make this super scary horror game, but you're launching it and people are like, eh, you know, this is like, I'm not like feeling it. You just wasted two years, uh, worst case. And uh, it's really where we fit in. So the way I see Playtest Cloud is that it gives, you know, game designers, producers, but also user researchers tools to find out if the player experience is actually what they want it to be. And uh, you mentioned like small companies, big companies. Uh, We actually see people on all ends of the spectrum using Playtest Cloud. Like we've got some shops, like one person working on their indie game, using Playtest Cloud to make sure they're getting it right. But we're also supporting like some of the biggest game studios out there who have these departments with like your 20 user researchers or something. But they don't want to deal with having to schedule people coming to an office. And I mean, look at the last two years, that has been difficult anyways. But even before then, you want to have 
user testing, play testing, not be something you have to worry about, not be a barrier. It should be mm -hmm. easy. If I need 20 people who love shooter games to try my multiplayer game out tomorrow night because that's when the new feature is done, I shouldn't need to schedule this thing for four weeks. I should be able to go, and you are, you can go to Playtest Cloud and just say, hey, get this done. Here's mm -hmm. the build. Here's what I want to find out. And then you get the videos back. So why should people use Playtest Cloud? I think if you're focused on your players, you want to give mm -hmm. them a good experience, ignore Playtest Cloud. You got to playtest. You got to find out if what you're doing actually gets the job done. But tools like ours make it super easy. And uh, we want to remove these barriers because everybody is, you know, so much needs to get done. And like if playtesting is a chore, People don't want to do it. We want to make it easy. We want to make it fun to do, fun to see people play your game. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of summarizing the how I how I feel about it. It's like easiness is definitely one of them. It has to be easy. Like you have to be able, like like with uh, let's say Sensor Tower, you can easily look at how much game is making. What are the downloads? You don't have to do too much work. <laughs> but but another part, another three things that I like about Sensor um, about Playtest Cloud is. As you mentioned, the velocity. So basically, how fast it is to get the test done. So you don't have to schedule it because that was the thing that was happening with the on-site tests, mm -hmm. as well as with external um, audience tests. Of course, they they tend to go much deeper, or they couldn't can we can go pretty deep with Playtest Cloud. We're going to talk about that as well. But you have to schedule a time. You have to f do a lot of groundwork before you can get the tests done. With this one, it's rapid. It's like the overnight essentially. The, the third part, which is really important, is that you can do a lot of targeting. So you talked mm -hmm. about shooter games. That's an example. But you can do anything, basically. You just look at what kind of games is your target audience playing, and you can target based on that. You can target based on, on, on you know, the games they're playing, the demographics, the, uh, uh, the countries, the, the platforms. So you can do all of that really quickly. So you're making sure that you're getting your, play, your game in hands of the players you're intending to acquire at some point, which is something that doesn't always happen when you're doing on-site tests. And, and also, like with Playtest Cloud, you also get some misses. You're like, this guy doesn't know how to play shooters. Like, what is he talking about? But at the same time, it's so fast to get five, ten of them that, that you just, you know, kind of rapidly go through it and versus like having that one person come into the office and like, okay, that was a waste <laughs> of time. Uh, and the final one is you said videos and especially the format of the test is quite powerful. So instead of sitting behind the glass, which I've done too many times at a weird hours also, this one comes in at, in the video format because it's recorded as the player has been playing it at the most convenient place where they are. So you can see where the taps are happening. Uh, and most importantly, you can share very easily the results of the test. You can just share the video with a bookmark. So usually when you start playtesting, play you're trying to find different kinks and quirks and uh, issues with, with usability. And being able to share that video uh, and that especially like at, at minute 32 seconds, you can <laughs> see the player trying to search through the menu and being unable to close the menu and getting quite frustrated. That is going directly to your, I don't know, UI engineer or, or whoever is in, in charge of it. They change it a little bit and lo and behold, that issue will never be arised. And if you would be quickly launching your game, you might experience low D1, but you won't know what the issue is. Uh, but now you actually saw it and it was really easy to test and it's well worth your money. So easiness, velocity, targeting and, and format would be the, um, the four things that, I'm, that I'm, I would raise it. 
Yeah, I, I think what I would also like add to this is that mm -hmm. it's all about like nobody's helped with running a single play test. It's yeah. not about like doing this one shot thing at the end of your development, like, hey, mm -hmm. let's do a quick round on usability or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Sure, you will find issues, you can fix them, and that can actually help you quite a bit. Um, got a fun story to tell there, maybe later, about a company that got started with us like this, because that's usually how it happens no just just tell it now I'm interested. <laughs> well this was actually one of the first playtests we've yeah. ever done and uh, i can't mention the company here but it was uh, like a tv show ip they've worked on this game for a long time mm -hmm. and they were just about to bring this into global launch uh, they had mm -hmm. skipped some steps they didn't want to like spoil too much about the game and uh, they felt pretty sure about it so we I still don't know how this happened, but we won them over. Like it was just Marvin and me, my co-founder, sitting literally in a basement working on Playtest Cloud. But we got them to uh, try Playtest Cloud, and they ran a test and just FTUE 15, 30 minutes of gameplay. And in the first, you know how games work, right? Yeah. Guided tutorials and all of that. People were not able to make it past the first step in that guided tutorial. They had oh, to like no, do no. some interaction on the screen, like drag a thing on a character to make him do an action. And like 80% of the people failed at this. And not like, oh, they had a trouble doing it and it took them 30 seconds or so. No, like we had people stuck on this for 15 minutes and like the average time it took people to get past this was like, five minutes and the people at the company were shocked like all the testing they had done was internal friends and family and it makes sense because they've played this for so many times like of they course. knew exactly how to drag this thing over to like the exact spot it needed to hit on the screen but <laughs> real people out there couldn't have done this and like this was a high profile ip it, it would have crashed and burned when they launched this. And sure, they could have fixed it. And like three years later, nobody would have thought about it anymore. But the sheer fact that they were oblivious to that being a problem because they hadn't tested with actual people was, uh, I mean, surprising for us, but it also confirmed the value in making playtesting so accessible. Mm -hmm. But for them, this was a huge win. Like they did a couple of iterations on like this part of the tutorial, making it easier and easier. And I think they still like have this in the game these days. Uh, yeah. if it's even still an app store. Last time I checked, like it was still there. And like, you just like drag this thing anywhere close to the character. And it's like, boom, yeah, next step in the tutorial. Like they just wanted to remove any barrier to this because yeah, people would have not they would have closed that game i mean there's enough yeah, choice yeah, out yeah, there they, you don't need to deal with that exactly and they and, and that's the thing like like analytics are really important but especially when we're looking at the first steps and usability analytics doesn't yeah. really help like you just see that there's a problem and exactly then then you can go you know chasing your tail of what the problem is doing a bunch of different changes and then this one you can you can kind of pinpoint pinpoint the issue yeah, what we like saying is uh, playtesting helps you understand why people play how they play. And, uh, you know, you mentioned analytics here. I think especially later on in the development when you've got this, they show you where a problem is, but you need other tools to understand what's happening. And uh, playtesting is one that we've seen help a lot with that because it's quick and you can really pinpoint the source 
of a problem too. It's like one thing that people don't like interact with this one thing or never choose that one character, but why do they not do this? And it might be something that happened like five days before in the gameplay where they didn't understand some crucial element. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think back to like that story real quick. For the next game they made, like you can imagine that playtesting became a much like more pronounced part of their development, and uh, that's also what we see the, the studios that are like highly successful and using playtest cloud do for them. You know, especially during the times when they're working on the FTUE, when you're working on that like session to session gameplay of the first few sessions, they test extensively on Playtest Cloud. Like every few weeks, you get a yeah. test. We've got some clients who are like on test two or three hundred, even. I mean, they've pivoted a lot with their games. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. like from the art team to the UI team to the game designers, everybody just keeps testing all the time because so, they don't want to make assumptions. So so what what's what's the phase of development where you should be testing? Because we've we've been talking about, you know, essentially games in production, kind of mm. gaining, you know, picking up speed to enter market, so testing for twoies. Um, but what are the different phases and, and is this something that you do when you're developing game? Or is this something that you do when the game is already developed? Because to I've never actually run the the longer playtest cloud tests that last mm -hmm. for I mean, okay, so let's take a step back. Can you <laughs> yeah. walk us through the multiple different tests that, that like how does playtest cloud work? What kind of different tests? Let's and then let's that. talk the, the use cases maybe better when 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 you kind of describe all the uh, all the products in the portfolio. Yeah, let me give you the actual pitch here, just so we yeah. can lay it all okay, out. Okay, now then dive is the in. actual pitch. Now, <laughs> now, now it's coming. <laughs> Not just stories. Um, <laughs> so, Playtest Cloud is a platform for doing what we call unmoderated testing. So, it's all about putting your game into the hands of the players and letting them experience it just as the game is. So, there's nobody sitting next to them telling them what to do. Mm. The way the platform works is that uh, you can choose from all sorts of different tests that are mainly based on how long players should play. So we've got like very short first-time user experience tests, one session, 15 minutes. Then you can do what we call multi-session tests, where people play a couple of times, but they have to take a break in between. So something that's commonly used once you actually have a bit more to play but also to see to simulate that experience that people have when they you know they play a bit in the morning in the afternoon in the evening when they watch netflix something like that so very uh open-ended session if you will but you know what you're gonna get like i want one hour across four sessions mm -hmm. or something like that and then on the long end we've got what uh, we call longitudinal studies where people play for a set number of days let's say you want to get people playing for like 10 days um we can do that we'll give people like a day or two to take a break in between uh, so they can also you know take care of like whatever they need in their life on top of that we've got another couple of like aspects uh, so you can do all of this with multiplayer games as well if you need people to play at the same time and your game is still in development you need to make sure all the testers are online at the same time so there's actually somebody like in the arena or whatever you have that yeah. they can play against so we can do this for like a short test we can do like we've done this recently like a 10 day longitudinal study people had to play four hours every day it was nuts holy shit and this was like <laughs> 40 people multiplayer four hours every day and I hope it was like a that's good game. like 
<laughs> it turned out to be a really good one. I, I can't okay. mention the name, but yeah. like sounds uh, like Axie Infinity. <laughs> you have to grind it for money. <laughs> yeah, well, there are only so many games to grind that long. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, that's, that's like that's literally played high hard. end. <laughs> yeah. and but also like this is like all like very far like into the development of the game. I mean, you need a lot of content to like test that long. We also have uh, some specific tools to help you understand players earlier on in the development cycle. So um, we do concept testing, which is pretty much showing players mm -hmm. a slideshow mm -hmm. with videos. You can use it for ad testing. You can do narrative testing. We see a lot of like hidden object or story-based games refine the story this way. Um, we also have surveys. So um, sometimes you need more than like 10 people to give you feedback because you're making decisions on things like naming the art theme of your game stuff like that but you still want that targeting that you mentioned earlier that we can do where you can find very specific players so we can do surveys with them up to hundreds uh, or even more um, participants and that's pretty much a portfolio so we've got like surveys concept testing single session multi-session testing and then longitudinal studies and also in this sort of order uh like we suggest using them in that sort of order but before yeah. we get into that let me talk a little bit about like the experience of actually using playtest cloud so when you work on a game you want to use playtest cloud oftentimes you think like okay i'm gonna to need to put an sdk in for tracking or whatnot that's not the case so um we uh developed a platform in a way where you can just drop your build in whether it's mm -hmm. on ios or on android or if it's on the play store already you can also do that and then you get a recording of uh, people playing this game and they're gonna think out loud and mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't done playtesting before, uh, thinking out loud means that the people will just walk you through what they're doing. They might be like, oh, you know, I really don't know. Like, how do I upgrade this weapon? Like, hmm, I need to look at this, at that. Ah, oh, that's confusing. You'll get feedback like this. And uh, together with that, you see the screen recording. You see where people touch the screen. And that gives you a really holistic view of what these players are actually doing and how they are thinking about your game as they play. To me, like uh, the key aspect of this is it helps you develop like some gut feeling for how people really behave in your games. Uh, you get like all these like sensory inputs and uh, as you watch these videos and as you iterate on your game, you have a much better mental model of like what like whatever your target audience really is, whether it's like, uh, yeah, the shooter players, some hyper casual like kids uh, from like Germany or wherever you want to test from, uh, you'll watch these videos and you develop that mental model. You can then analyze that shared with your team and learn how you can get it closer to whatever yeah. vision you have. Um, how, how does the, uh, like, where do you get your players? Cause, mm -hmm. and, and how many do you have? Yeah, we've got over a million now. 
Um, a million players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last two years were uh, like uh, a boon for growing yeah. uh, like a database of people who want to play games. I, I do have to say, like you're you're really killing it with play to earn. Like this is it, right? <laughs> <laughs> we just need you to should, add the coins. <laughs> just add a little NFT and call yourself uh, a metaverse, and and you're off to a billion dollar valuation. <laughs> yeah, we might have to think about that. Okay, folks, let's take a little break from the conversation, talk about your post-IDFA cross-platform strategy. More specifically, how you're going to monetize that sweet console and PC audience of yours. Well, here's where Player One comes to the picture, providing a huge revenue opportunity for developers and publishers. In fact, it's the only engagement and monetization platform designed to reward free-to-play console and PC gamers. Now I know what you're thinking. Players don't want to watch ads on console and PC. Well, that's actually not true. According to extensive surveys with players who are playing the most popular AAA free-to-play games, Player One found an overwhelming desire, 77% to be accurate, by gamers to have an option to earn free in-game content in exchange for watching 15 to 30 second advertisements. Now, the second thing you're thinking about is that you don't want to show other games to your console and PC players. Well, Player One got you covered once again. Firstly, the platform lets gamers decide if they want to watch TV quality brand sponsored videos inside their favorite titles in exchange for cool in-game items and awesome content. Secondly, as I said, Player One's inventory is purely of TV quality brand sponsored videos, so you won't have to worry about churn or build segmentation profiles. Plus, given the fact that the majority of free-to-play players on PC and console never actually spend any money in the live service area of those games, Player One is providing a way for developers and publishers alike to help their loyal players to get access to all the additional content that's being created while maintaining their games economies. Player One is fully optional for players and completely respectful of game flow. And for developers, Player One has been proven to drive retention, lifetime value, and additional revenue, all while maintaining monthly active users and reducing churn. Everybody wins with Player One. Gamers unlock immediate rewards, developers enhance the playing experience and generate passive revenue, and brands connect meaningfully with the most passionate audience in media. Visit playerwon.com to see how it works in practice or Get, go to the link in this podcast description below. Now, back to the episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, so we've got this, uh, like, north of a million uh, players, uh, mainly from the US, UK, and Canada. Uh, we're in the process of, of also opening uh, it up to more countries. And probably by the time this goes live, uh, our announcement uh, on, like, opening up uh, testing in more countries than just these three will be live. Uh, so uh, in the beginning, uh, we're launching that in Southeast Asia, uh, Germany, some European countries, um, mm. mainly based on where we have a lot of players. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll keep growing that. And you ask where these testers come from. So eight years ago, when you just started uh, working with us, uh, we went to Reddit and uh, just <laughs> got people from there. Um, but then over the years, uh, our user acquisition looked pretty much like the user acquisition of any mobile game. Uh, you yeah. know, we went to Facebook, uh, did a lot of targeting, like looked for the sorts of players that we didn't have enough of yet and uh, just grew that. and. At the stage we're at now with the size, a lot of the growth is organic. Um, so people get a little money in return for playing. And of course, 
the word on that spreads regardless of like what profile we're talking and you know we do testing with kids as young as like ages three and four together with their parents all the way up to i think our oldest playtest is 87. um so that's quite a spread of ages and experiences we've got there and yeah yeah no that's that's awesome um so so let's get back to the uh the sort of like original questions of like um when to use different mm -hmm. tests and more like how if you can go through some of the examples of the companies that that have been using everything from from concept testing to the longitude uh surveys yeah totally uh i think our motto is uh, always test early test often and this is also something you hear a lot in user research uh, and usability testing circles mm. and we say that because you want to do the testing at a time where it can have an impact and uh, like all testing we do and we talk about is done because you want to change something in your game potentially or you want to find out that you don't need to change anything so you want to find out like what isn't working as early in the process as possible so you haven't invested like a year of time in creating art assets for a style that just doesn't resonate with your target audience so how early you want to get te started testing as soon as you have something to show to players um, i think it also helps starting so early um, because you can involve your team a lot more. One mm. of the biggest barriers we actually see to starting to test early is game teams pushing back on like, no, no, this isn't ready yet. We can't possibly show like this prototype, this like pre-production build or like even this story like outline to people yet. We need to refine it more. And that concern is of course understandable um, because they want to refine it more. They don't want to like find out that they know what's wrong with it, they think. But oftentimes, when you put it in front of players, you find out that your assumptions were wrong. So let's talk specifics here. Um, the very early testing is usually focused on discovering issues, finding out if you know this type of game you want to build is actually good for the target audience that you have in mind. I'm going to talk about a hidden object game here because yeah. hidden object games like make it really easy to talk about concept testing and uh, you know how games these days are like Vuga's games, Prosperal, Journey and so on. They're heavily story driven. They appeal to a certain crowd yeah. and uh, they live from this episodic nature where you can add more and more chapters to the story and people really become invested in how these games work. Um, we work with studios that make games like this. It's super interesting to see all the like testing that happens before they like do the first thing in Unity or wherever. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They have like storyboarded out the entire game. They have the narrative. They have like uh, mood boards with like here are like the characters. Here's like the shipwreck. Here's this. Here's that. And uh, sometimes it goes as far as you know they make little mock-up videos of this to show the story to players. And they ask them like, okay, um, like who are the main characters in this what's the like why does this character like aspire to like uh, find their lost lover because they test understanding you know it's all about like from showing this part of the story to our players do they get why they should care and do they care and then you start refining it and uh 
the cool thing here is you can iterate super quickly. Like you put this into the hands of the producers, the art team, like the narrative director, and they can like, uh, people use a PowerPoint for this. They put together a PowerPoint, put some questions on there and then put it in front of the players, run the test in the evening, in the morning, they work on the next iteration and refine what needs to be refined to really make the story mm -hmm. stick. And, uh, we see this for other games too, like some casual, um, like match three games that were all about cooking. Uh, should have done this a bit earlier because when they did this, like relatively late in development, they found out that the style of art they chose mm. for their food wasn't appealing to their audience. And uh, so, so this is interesting because um, I've actually never done these type of tests with PlayTest Cloud. Uh, we've done con like we've done those App Store and like kind of like. Um, mm -hmm. Um, game description ones, so where you write about the game, and we tested different different type of settings in written format. What I've done for the art style and the setting, uh, I've done a lot of tests on Geek Lab, where basically you're just testing the marketability of the theme and not per se uh, how they feel. But that's actually a good idea to kind of do both, uh, to kind of hear a little bit of a qualitative feedback yeah. of why certain things don't work, because we only see you know, the IPMs and the CPI of those early tests of, of what theme doesn't work, what what works. We don't really know why this, you know, cyberpunk thing didn't work. Was it because of cyberpunk or was it because of the style of the cyberpunk that was done? And I think um, you could get more nuances by running the tests on both platforms. Yeah, I think you need to do both. Like yeah. playtesting cannot replace that like quantitative, like yeah. can we like, build a business out of like something like yeah. this, but it can give you a lot of insight into what resonates with players and why, which will help you as, especially if you're exploring like a direction of game that your team doesn't have a lot of experience with yet. Mm. Um, on the art side, like I have one other like fun example here, and this was for resource management game. Think like Fallout Shelter, but in a different setting. And, um, it was it had a very strong narrative component and what that team identified as one of the risks was that players will not identify with the characters that they put in there and they will not see them as what they really are and one example here was uh, they had a guide in that game who would like help like sort of explain how the game works yeah, like, and npc yeah yeah uh, and this was um the hotel manager so wore a suit and uh, like big guy and like they wanted to have him look like he knows what he's doing people were like oh yeah i don't trust that guy like looks super shady and now the main character that guides your players around and should help them learn the game is perceived as being like this shady like character which wasn't intentional at all and uh, this was left field for them. They didn't really expect that, but they made some tweaks, fixed that, and uh, the whole like onboarding and all of that flowed much better because people like didn't have that association seeing that character. But I would say, let's move on a bit here. Uh, we're yeah. talking enough about concept testing. The next stage really is you're beginning to build prototypes. You're working on the mechanics. You're trying to see like what works, like what doesn't, level design, depending on what you're working on. 
which is a fantastic time to playtest. So uh, we're seeing a lot of games start at the stage where, you know, you have like programmer art, you have like some really simplistic things that uh, try and figure out like, okay, these sort of controls, do they work? It's focused on the usability potentially, but also level designs. Like, will people understand like these boosters, if we're talking match three games, will people understand, you know, the meta game that we're putting together here? Does it make people want to keep going? Whatever it is that is like so risky that you prototype mm -hmm. that first, why not put it in the hands of players as well? Um, like we often see reluctance with this, like, ooh, is it too early? People will not know how to use it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Always. they won't. That's fine. They will complain that, oh, yeah, it looks like shit. There's no art, no music. But it doesn't matter. That's not what you're testing here. Like, you know that. What I want to know is, are people able to, like, I don't know, n navigate this map and move the camera with, like, this control scheme I devised? Or, like, does the weapon combining mechanic, like, get understood? And then when you're testing this, you have to laser focus on those issues. You got to know what do I want to find out? And I don't want to find out like, is the game in the current stage appealing to players? I want to find out, do they get this mechanic? Does this sort of design like confuse everybody because it confused the entire team or like do players actually enjoy it? So it's a good way to work around these assumptions. And you know, when you make a game, you have to make a lot of assumptions. This is a quick way to test them and like get to something more data driven. Um, the studios that work with us that are like consistently like delivering games that you know are fun, commercially successful, they start this early. Uh, it's very rare that uh, you know studios skip any sort of playtesting and go straight to launching a game with a super refined first-time user experience. Um, and it's because it works. Uh, like you need to see how people actually play, even if you've done 10 games already, especially then because you're not the player. Like you need to base this on like the actual uh, yeah, gameplay people are showing you. Like, what's your experience testing? in this area like when you're like creating like new mechanics i mean i know what you guys are working on right now and yeah. uh, i'm sure there are some things where it's like oh like will people get this like how do you manage that yeah i mean uh, the earlier you get to testing the better to be honest like we as, as any other company actually with any studio that i've worked at it's been the same thing it's like ah it's too early uh we know all these things but no you have to kind of you have to see players suffering playing your game and not being excited about it, getting bad results. That's really important. It's uh, it it, it puts a, the whole different you know speed into your into your team when they understand that what they're doing is not actually that great. Um, and then it also gives a lot of hope because you're able to tweak quickly and get to good results and be like, okay, we're mm -hmm. actually making the game better. Um, so my 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 experience is the same. Nobody wants to test. When they test, they're surprised. And when they tweak and, and improve the game based on the tests, uh, the tests improve and everybody's happy. Yeah. And I think what helps is having, like, you need a champion in yeah. those teams yeah. who will 
advocate for putting this in front of players and you need to be very clear with the expectations of some of these early tests like stuff is not gonna work and you might have to give players a bit more guidance that's all fine like it's still so valuable if you know what you're looking for and um, you can also empower the the different like departments working on your game like art game design narrative whatever you have for your game to do this testing on their own and it's gonna create this effect where like people see that okay they keep testing like they uh, they keep talking about this stuff Mm -hmm. and they say like oh you know we made this decision because people didn't understand this or like people really loved this uh it's gonna make other people want to test as well and yeah uh... yeah 100 uh what are are the sort of of experiences with these longitude tests like I've, Mm -hmm. i've heard of them um, I think I know a couple of companies that were doing them. I believe Super Evil Megacorp was running those tests, uh, but it's been a while since I've, mm-hmm. I've discussed with somebody who's been doing those those tests. So, can you talk a little bit more about how they are being set up and and yeah. uh, what are the results of those? Yeah, totally. So, these later like longer studies where you actually have people mm. playing for multiple days or multiple sessions are usually used more for diagnosing certain issues or optimizing the experience. So I talked about like early stage testing being for discovering things and like making all these like decisions in the beginning, like uh, setting the game on the right uh, tracks, whereas longitudinal studies help you really Mm -hmm. solve retention issues or like issues that uh, result from people not understanding certain aspects and ignoring parts of the game as a result. Um, Let me give you two examples here. Uh, One is uh, a game that uh, like used these studies extensively during the development and uh, it's an exercise game um, like think like zombies run uh, but with a very different take on it and I think every single playtest they have ever done with us, like even from the early stages, has always been a longitudinal study for like five or seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, because for them, it was extremely important to design this like session to session gameplay. Like it's an exercise game. If you can't get people to want to come back on like the next day and the day after to like go on a run or like work out, your game set up for failure so they could have had the best first time user experience in that first session ever it wouldn't have helped them if they hadn't have visibility on the other parts so sometimes you have a game where it's so crucial that you're not just designing for those like first 30 minutes and day one but where you success is measured in like uh, initial success like day seven retention otherwise if people don't understand your game because it's super complex they will never come back of course to some extent you have that in many games but there are some where it's super important but more commonly we see longitudinal studies being used because the game is in soft launch or it's launched Mm -hmm. already and you know day three day five it's just not where it needs to be and uh, usually teams don't start play testing when they first see an issue like this you're doing a b tests. you've got some assumptions for like what you can tweak to like get the numbers up but if all of that fails they usually want to understand why are people churning much more than like other titles we have on those days and can we somehow salvage this that's where play testing comes in um we let's say you have issues 
with day five, your game is typically played like half an hour a day in multiple sessions or mm -hmm. something like this. You can set up a playtest that matches this like typical playtime. Put five, 10, 15 people in there and we'll have them play. They can't, they can, but like they usually don't churn during the playtest. That's not the goal of it. But if you know, you have. 70% drop off by mm -hmm. day two or day three, we'll see that in the excitement players have to continue playing. And um, we ask people after every session, after every day, hey, would you continue playing if this wasn't a test, which can be quite useful to see, okay, an issue begins to happen on day two, it might lead to something on day five. And uh, a game that we've done this for Again, uh, can't really name the game here, but resource management, bit of city building. And they had uh, like an aspect where you were sort of like breeding certain animals together mm -hmm. to like have new stats, which was a crucial part of the game. But a lot of the players ignored that uh, entirely and they could not figure out why. They ran this longitudinal study, they saw similar uh, behaviors in the study where people, yeah, they got going with the game, they felt like they understood it, but they never went to this one part of the game. But in some of the videos, they understood why um, players did not understand the benefits this breeding would give them for the like late game, like if we were talking like day 30, day 90, and mm -hmm. so on, uh, because they completely botched the introduction of that feature, but they weren't aware of that. And they fixed how this uh, breeding mode was explained. They changed the whole like unfolding of that and how they weaved it into the, the story of the game. And it resulted in a lot better retention. People actually understood that game mode. They tested it. And uh, when they relaunched like a version with all of these changes in place to like how the feature was explained, how sort of that like knowledge of like this mode was introduced to the players it did much better and uh, for them this would have been the difference between like killing the game yeah. and it being commercially successful so you know this was a long way of saying like if you're seeing something in the numbers that you don't understand it helps looking at what people are actually doing and thinking as they play this um, yeah yeah the, the, and that's an important part because you know i've been in situations where maybe the day one has been good Hmm. But the day day two, day three are kind of falling off the cliff and, and you're trying to figure out, should we change the Faturi? Like what, what's going on? Because we've been doing the, those early testing and, and that's where this longitudinal test is, is very helpful because, you know, sometimes the analytics just doesn't show and you have a bunch of gut feelings and you're doing yeah. a few updates and it's already a few months later and you haven't been able to improve. So now you need to get that qualitative information and for that one, uh, these tests are, are very powerful. Um, and how do you uh, yeah go ahead yeah uh this reminded me of like a, a study we've done for a game uh, quite recently and uh, i love that setup because what they mm -hmm. did is they paired this wasn't their first time 
around like they were a team that's very like experienced mm. with playtesting and integrating it into their development process but they combined their soft launch with also running a two-week longitudinal study at the same time the goal that they had in mind with this is they knew they're going to get a lot of data on you know what exactly is happening in the game during these two mm -hmm. weeks but they expected that they're going to have questions that the data cannot answer and they didn't want to you know lose any more time on like okay let's test a few things tweak it launch again like see what the numbers say so they ran a longitudinal study in parallel with their soft launch i think we had like 20 people on playtest cloud side playing and of course you know for the soft launch they went pretty big to also get numbers on like all sorts of other things that you can't get from a playtest and what they did uh, two weeks in is then review the data and they also looked at the playtest results and it helped them a ton because they could understand certain signals that they saw in there like this thing not being used or people like dying a lot here or whatnot based on the playtest data because they could dive in and see like okay yeah this seems to be like oh, we misjudged the difficulty of this people from that audience are not faring well with like this game type but they prefer that one and it gave the team a lot more visibility into how people were actually playing the game mm -hmm. uh, in the real life and uh, yeah i thought that was a very uh, smart way of combining your data gathering from like analytics, but also running a playtest, and then speeding up how quickly you can get this game like launch ready. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's no. That's a that's a really really powerful um, information there. And and because I know a lot of studios are only using Playtest Cloud for the early phases, uh, and not not really you know have not experienced like my me myself. Mm. I for example <laughs> haven't had the uh, the the. Uh, the experience of using these longitudinal tests and kind of like relying that well we'll figure it out in soft launch we'll just use analytics and our gut feeling and we'll figure it out but uh but it is important so regarding to that like how do you how do you make sure that the studio is doing analysis correctly when they're getting all this this feedback because i bet a lot of the clients you have don't have their own market researcher or mm -hmm. so sorry not market but a user researcher yeah um, and they're kind of watching these videos themselves. So how do you make sure that, that the, uh, the analysis is correct? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I asked this question to our team like frequently because, you know, yeah, we work with people for whom this is the first time playtesting and like, what can we do to help them? And, uh, one side of this is that, uh, you know, playtest cloud, it's a tool and you have to learn how to use this tool and i think that's important to acknowledge uh like none of us uh are super experienced uh like when we first start out in setting up good playtests but also in analyzing them and i think especially if you're starting out if like you're planning like your first playtest if you think like okay i haven't done this before let me get started plan for some time um to actually learn the skill like you're gonna have some setbacks you will run a study you might see like okay yeah, people like did not get what i wanted them to do at all and it's not the fault of the game it's the fault mm -hmm. of my test setup like maybe i chose uh the wrong way of testing maybe i chose the wrong target audience for this maybe the build was completely broken uh stuff like that happens and it's okay uh i think 
it's important to realize that uh, playtesting is something that you need to learn and that takes some time. And if you look at like uh, game design curriculums these days, actually doing uh, some uh, education on playtesting, like we work with a couple of universities mm -hmm. uh, to also give the uh, teams access to our tools for their like semester projects and so on. But um, so that's one part, right? Plan for it to take a little while. Yeah. What we do to help them get started uh, is these days we can provide a lot of advice. Uh, so eight years ago, it was just uh, my co-founder and me getting started and it was very tech driven. Like the main value of Playtest Cloud was that, hey, here's a way to get a build in front of a player. And that's still, of course, a key value, but uh, we've run thousands of playtests every year. Uh, we see what works for pretty much any genre, any sort of like challenge that you're having. And we're so happy to share all of this. Uh, like one decision that we've made early on in the company is like, we'll never send you an email from a no reply email address. Like whatever email you get from us, whether it's well, the automated ones, right? Uh, yeah. Like uh, you hit reply, you usually are talking to the people in our project management team or like uh, sometimes even me and uh, you know we've seen a lot we're happy to share advice on like setting up your study on analyzing it we've got a user researcher uh, like in-house who you can just book a call with for free like if you're a client of ours just like there's a calendly you can go on there schedule an hour to like help him do whatever you need done um, yeah. so that's like the the general education that we do but we've also gone in uh, to like studios of our clients done like trainings talks help them also help themselves uh, like usually we know who the top users at these studios are but oftentimes other game teams don't know that so yeah. like we're also working a lot on building these connections within the studios and surfacing that knowledge and awareness of how playtesting can be done um, yeah, I think and that's important. Like we're all learning this and it's a new field. Uh, like yeah. playtesting hasn't been around for mobile that long. And I, I think it's important that um, because of the video format, it's, I think it's really important to share those with the team because mm -hmm. there's, you know, at a, especially at big studios, they don't want to do that because they kind of want to focus everything on their own work. But we're all here to make games and we're all here gamers. So it's very interesting to see how, how people are playing your own game. So I'm, I'm in for kind of getting everybody to to look at these videos. But at the same time, you know, you have to give ownership of fixing. Like, for example, the way we've approached it is a lot of the times as, as we do different fixes, like we, we give the material to the team or to a small group of people uh, who are focusing on one, two, three, you know, few of these elements. And they decide how they want to fix it based on the videos and they see it. So there's a lot of ownership given rather than, than somebody else interpreting for them and saying, like, this is how you need to approach it. So that's, a, that's also kind of like distributes the, uh, the, uh, the ownership of playtesting mm -hmm. to, to the team as itself. And then they're interesting to see the new video that comes out uh, where the issue has been fixed and it, it's, it's not there anymore. So uh, very, very sort of yeah. tangible progress. It's interesting to see how like this has also changed over the years. So when we started out uh, with Playtest Cloud, few companies had any user researchers on staff. It was uh, like even like the big players back then, like, yeah, they might have had like 2000 employees, but they had five 
user researchers, if at all, yeah. and they were usually working on other things than like the gaming side. Um, but uh, what really has changed over the years is that uh, the user researchers in the companies are also working to empower the game teams to do more research. And this varies, like some companies like have like a user research team and all user research should go through them. Whereas other companies take a more like wide approach and they want to empower everybody to run good studies and you know i talked about like let's get like artists narrative designers game designers level designers in on this so they can find out if yeah. you know they're like hitting whatever like goal they have with the experience they're crafting but it's of course important that they do it right you know everybody yeah. can lie with statistics you can run a test that just confirms what you want to see but some of these bigger studios have grown user research into like an advisory uh, function where teams can go to them and they will help them see, hey, okay, you're running like a playtest for like games that like this, we're doing this with a company right now. They're doing VR games, but now they're switching over to mobile because they want yeah. to expand the market. Those teams don't really have experience doing playtesting on mobile they've done some on vr but that's a very different beast they hired some user researchers mm -hmm. who have worked on the mobile side but not with the sole purpose of running all the studies and like hogging yeah, yeah, yeah. that uh, responsibility but teaching the teams how to do this player-centric development using tools like playtest cloud to get the ground truth and uh I think that's a very powerful approach because playtesting is everybody's business. I think yes. like, yeah. if you're working on a game, like you can't say like, yeah, yeah, that department is responsible for like the user experience. Like that doesn't make sense. Like even developers make decisions that will directly affect how the game is perceived. So have them watch the videos, have them run a test every now and then and empower people to do that. And I think that's also how you get to this point where people are wanting to play test better want to learn about it because they see how it benefits their own work how yeah. results of whatever it is whether you're designing that one screen or the entire meta game they will be better if you can get input from players and like if it's a skill that you possess yeah yeah no no i i agree i agree with that um so before i let you go like what are the some <laughs> of the mistakes uh when what that the developers do when they start playtesting like what is the uh, what is the stuff yeah. that you see because i think the expectations are quite high or low i don't know <laughs> yeah i would say not testing is the biggest one um, yeah i mean we talked a lot about that importance but you know still like we're experiencing like oh, we're having like talks with studios that you wouldn't believe for like yeah playtesting like we heard about it but like we're not doing that like and why like <laughs> and uh oftentimes uh yeah it, it just baffles you but then they get started or you sort of like force them to confront what they could learn with this and i think seeing is believing here so like if like somehow you find an advocate in there you get them to run a play test and you see like oh my god like uh 
Joe, like 40 from Seattle, fails at this, and you show that to the teams. They're like, yeah. okay, hmm, yeah, maybe we should like do this a bit more often. So I'd say like most common mistake, like not doing it or not doing it way too late. Um, think we talked so much about like the risk management aspect here, but we see that so often that the first uh, encounter. Uh, a studio has with playtesting is because they have a severe issue like something is not working like retention is problematic or like just like they can't get a certain thing off the ground because people don't seem to get it and they tried everything else and this is sort of like the hail mary like okay let's see like oh can we learn anything if we put this in front of players and oftentimes they can and that changes their mindset then so i would say if i can give any advice to people here like skip that part like just start testing and like you don't need to fail by being blind to like the player experience like there are tools out there that make it super easy i think if we want to talk a bit more specific i would also say um, we see this especially from like newer studios not testing with enough people so yeah. you mentioned this earlier like you need to watch the videos on playtest cloud and i would say that's probably one of the biggest time investments that you as a team and like as like a leader of a studio will make into playtesting like you sit down you watch these videos to learn something from them and what we've seen is that uh some studios are very cautious and they think they're guarding their time by let's only do a test with like two or three people you know it's only like an hour of video material then versus like getting four or five hours of video material but i think that's like it doesn't work out like that because you get these two videos and you're trying to get like every possible like bit of information out of that and uh, you also have like if you only have two people you have two conflicting opinions yeah, uh, yeah of course if, if i run a test with 10 people i think about some survey questions <laughs> which we can also help with like i can get these videos i'll look at the survey i'll read through the answers and i'm like okay people are having problems with like this and this they didn't understand what that character is doing and like nobody wants to keep playing huh mm. okay now i know what to look at in the videos and i can go through these videos and like spot on like go to okay i know like they mentioned this mechanic i know when that gets introduced yeah. i'll seek to that moment in the video i'll watch a few minutes here a few minutes there and it allows you to get a lot more from the video so i would say like think about play testing a bit differently where it's not like i need to absorb every second of like the player's experience but have a goal in mind Go for a few more players and then use tools like the survey to narrow down what you really want to find out. The result is you'll have much more reliable data when you go to your team. Like it's mm -hmm. not like, okay, yeah, Mary didn't understand that, but it's like, yeah, we had these five people who are all in our like key audience that we want to reach, not get this thing. Like folks, it's serious. We need to like rework this uh, like I've been preaching for two weeks or something. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, start testing early, iterate, like test again, like uncover more and more things as you mm -hmm. keep going, because those are the things that we often see are lacking and yeah. they lead to, you know, games that fail, games that don't live up to the potential that they have. I would, I would also add that don't make the other uh, play test 
playtests um, exclusive in the sense yeah. that it's not only for a few people, just allow others to, to watch them. I think it's really important for the team to know how, what's going on because other, otherwise they, they only live by the gut feeling and they don't know, you know the, the, the reality. So really important to distribute that information. Um, last thing, what, how is the uh, platform evolving in the future? Because you've talked about all the tools that you have for now. I know that you guys are working with Solston, uh, used to be known as 12 Traits. Mm -hmm. uh, so they are offering packages uh, with, with, uh, with basically using your million players as a, as a test group uh, <laughs> to, to really understand deeply the audience. But what other kind of stuff is coming out? Yeah, uh, it's a fantastic question. So uh, we're working on a couple of things right now. Uh, I already mentioned earlier, uh, testing in more countries. It's probably the number one thing we've been asked for. And uh, right now, Playtest Cloud mainly has players in the US, UK and Canada, like because those markets are, of course, super in demand for testing. But um, there's no technical reason behind that. Uh, I mean, Playtest Cloud, works internationally mm -hmm. and uh, actually like later this week we're like taking the first step there introducing our global player panel launching in over like 10 more countries a yeah. uh, couple of regions and if you want to test in like southeast asia europe uh, nordics those will be some of the uh, launch yeah. regions we're also adding yeah. yeah like we'll have that we'll roll out more and more countries there as time goes by in the beginning, it's focused on English speakers in those countries, but uh, we'll also open that up to like German studios being able to test with German players, Finnish studios with Finnish players, if that's what you oh, want to do. All the 100,000 Finnish players. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think you can hold off on that market for a while. I would yeah, maybe it's not focus the on like Arabian markets, <laughs> yeah. uh, those kind of things. Yeah, exactly. South America is interesting for quite some yeah. genres too. Yeah. And uh, that's also going to be one so, of the launch regions. So basically just more tools to allow culturalization of your games. Yeah. And yeah, some games are also just developed for those markets. I yeah, mean, exactly. we're like in a global economy and yeah. uh, we want to support those studios. Uh, Another part that we're working on is also making Playtest Cloud more accessible to super small studios. So uh, we don't have this formally announced yet, uh, mm -hmm. but we're gonna introduce some uh, offers that are aimed at indie studios um, because so often, and even with the tools we have these days, mm -hmm. game development, when you're like in the seed stage, if you're like only starting out, you don't have a lot of money but you yeah. still want to make a good game. And yeah. uh, like uh, we want to level the playing field there more. We want to like put out some really attractive options for them, both from the education point of view, like how do you play test? But also, I mean, from the financial side, like make it yeah. really easy for folks to get started, get the foot in the door and learn how to build games on that. Because at the end of the day, they will be more successful with that and they can make better games. We've seen this time and time again. And uh, it's also 
our story like we never took funding like we wanted to build something valuable that uh you know delivered value and we also want to support studios who want to do that who like want to build a game that like can crank the charts even with like small means yeah. uh, so you know that's another thing we're working on and then there's like a lot of other things in the works like we want to do like we want to support people watching the videos with like ai and automation to spot some of the cool things uh, that are happening in the videos there's like work going on on that but we have a high threshold for when we want to launch these things because we want to make sure like these features are useful and they're pointing out important moments in the video and not just noise and yeah, uh, yeah it's all about like making analysis easier making playtesting uh, easier and like unlocking these insights in a way that yeah you don't need to be a user researcher for which you don't need to be uh, it's all about like care about games we want to like make it even easier for you to like get these tasks done well amazing stuff christian uh you your your service has been of tremendous help for hundreds of studios and continues to be and i'll continue to be a uh, proponent and advocate for for your tool for the next eight years to come <laughs> <laughs> or and even more so uh thank you for for playtest cloud i'll be honest like it's a it's a great tool um really invaluable for, for, for studios around the world. Thank you. It's been fun working with so many wonderful studios and people like yourself. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, Christian, how can they get in, in contact with Playtest Cloud? Playtestcloud.com? Yeah, playtestcloud.com. Hello it. at playtestcloud.com if you want to send an email. But yeah, go to our site. You'll find uh, many ways to get in touch with us. Uh, we've also got a fun YouTube channel where we talk about playtesting, have mm. some introduction videos, webinars, and everything. But yeah, playtestcloud.com and everything else will follow. Beautiful. Check it out, and we're out. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.